Indeed, the war has already been won. But as we walk with you, Lord God, we thank you for giving us the victory, for giving us peace, power, and wisdom to know what to do, how to answer um, our situations with truth and walk in the truth, to make right and clear discernment and judgments according to your truth, Father God. We thank you for giving us eyes to see and ears to hear today and a heart to receive, that you take the scales off of our eyes, take the dullness out of our ears, Take the, compl- the compliance and complacency out of our hearts, O oh God, that we might be stirred up with your love, your passion, and your truth, Lord. I thank you for promising us that you would never leave us or forsake us, that the battle belongs to you, and that no weapon formed against us will prosper. So we ask now for divine protection over us and all that pertains to us, our families, those who come to us for help and prayer, those we speak with, that you give open ears, those who work for us, Father, that you give us ears, eyes and ears to see it, to receive and to be converted, Lord, to walk in the fullness of repentance, the fullness of redemption, and the fullness of joy. Father, we ask for the wisdom of Jesus Christ now and the guidance of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, there's a subject that, uh, (laughs) there's so many subjects that, are surrounded with confusion these days. One of these is judging, judging, mm-hmm. judging others, judging ourselves, that sort of thing. Judge not, uh, lest you be judged. Well, yeah. well we're going to take yeah. a look at that today. Matthew chapter 7, the words of Jesus, he said, Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck out of your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. And so we're going to pause right there. Um, And then I want to read this uh, from the Amplified Bible, the same passage. Mm -hmm. Do not judge and criticize and condemn others so that you may not be judged and criticized and condemned yourselves. For just as you judge and criticize and condemn others, you will be judged and criticized and condemned in accordance with the measure you use to deal out to others. It will be dealt out again to you. Why do you stare from without at the very small particle that is in your brother's eye, but do not become aware of and consider the beam of timber that mm-hmm. is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me get the tiny particle out of your eye when there is a beam of timber in your own eye? Hypocrite, first get the beam of timber out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the tiny particle out of your brother's eye. Wow. I think judging is a big issue these days, and Satan has made it one of his favorite topics. As a matter of fact, I would believe that the most favorite verse of Satan in the whole Bible 
is, is judge not lest you be judged for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And so he's using this as a biblical uh, permission to come after us for judging and bringing back uh, the things we hate upon our own heads. But so judging becomes a big critical issue these days with so much ish, so much confusion and so much uh, uh, attack against the truth and the word of God that judging has to be understood. We have to understand what that really means. Well, I, I hear the whining of this. You know, if someone is corrected, you're judging me. Right. If you don't agree with me, if you... Mm-hmm. Do anything to criticize me about my lifestyle, or call us or back call into order me out and truth. On something, mm-hmm. call me to order and truth. You're judging me. I think Satan has really flipped that and perverted the concept of judging and discerning because that is so critical to to understand to to separate the good from the bad, the the, the holy from the vile, the pure from the unpure. You know, we have taken away from our society the right. To be to common sense, the right to have uh, an, uh, a righteous opinion, uh, or to walk in the Word of God. I mean, really, everything is up for grabs. You are what you want to do. Whatever anybody you know wants to do, they can do. But Satan has really made it very difficult for the Christians to um, be able to move forward in uh, discerning uh, because we don't understand really what that means. We don't understand that um, there's a difference between. Uh, you know, they say, well, if you if you judge me, you don't love me. If you don't accept my behavior, you know, you don't love me. They don't understand there's a difference between um, the vile and the holy, and God wants us to stand in, in, in the truth. And the, if, the tr- if, the, if we don't judge properly according to the word of God, which is a standard of righteousness, then truth will not be defended. And also, if we don't understand true love, if we don't really understand that, that love requires judgment, because if, for example, uh, you're in a family and the, the, the parents just let the kids beat each other up and never step in and never protect or defend or call order, um, that's not love. If you just let one of your children be beat up by the other two or three. That, so God has to step in at some point, but he's also asked us as his righteous uh, ambassadors on earth to stand for righteousness and truth and to understand there is a difference between the behavior and the being, and I can judge your behavior and still love you which is a problem because Satan makes everything on this earth about what you do, not who you are, not where you come from, but by not by being, but by doing. And so he's forcing us to um, become confused about love because I, I can't love your behavior, therefore I can't love you. That is not the way the Bible says it's supposed to be done. Love corrects, love brings truth, love brings healing and deliverance. Well, we're living in a time when evil is called good and right. good is called evil. Right. And um, there's a the book that came out some years ago called Fifty Shades of Grey. And, <laughs> and everything in between. And it's, it's an evil book. Uh, but anyway, um, so we've got, it's interesting too that the color gray is so popular in our culture right now. Because it's muddy if you're going and it to means sell nothing. Your house, if you're going to sell your house, you got to paint your walls gray. Penitentiary gray. Penitentiary gray and, you know, school buildings No are joy, gray. no vibrations and of joy and peace and life. The idea is mm-hmm. that when you put other colors in there, it's supposed to make those colors pop. But 
it, it really is a, con- a condemnation. Well, uh, it's a real indication. Of, it's an indication of, of where, where we are mm-hmm. in our lives spiritually so, and morally. Let, so let me, everything is muddy and nothing is meaningful well, well, and here, nothing stands out and everybody's the same. And you know what? Gray is very depressing. Oh. There's no good vibrations in gray. Yeah. God gave us lots of color, sunshine, blue skies, green grass, blue water, pink flowers. Flowers, flowers Everything is to stir up joy. And, and, and what have we done? We have relegated all that to just be gray, just be uneventful. Interesting in the Old Testament, Leviticus chapter 10, verse 8. Then the Lord spoke to Aaron saying, now Aaron was called to be the priest, you know. Mm-hmm. There was families of priests that came after Aaron, the brother of Moses. Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you, when you go into the tabernacle of meeting. This was the big you know, tent church, we could call it, where the worship of God was uh, established. Uh, Lest you die, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that you may distinguish between the holy and unholy between the clean, uh, between the unclean and the clean, that you may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken to them by the hand of Moses. So there was a call for mm-hmm. to the to pre, separate to the priesthood, to the leaders, these the spiritual difference. leaders, mm-hmm. to make a distinction. There's no lines between blurred between morality and immorality. No blurred lines between right and wrong. But the idea today, the concept of right and wrong, is is, is, is all skewed because and it's your you know yeah, it's whatever is right to you is right. 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 I mean, if it's but you right. know, we we've got to go back to this the solid foundation, the standard of God. In Romans chapter one, we have a lot of description here of of depravity. Uh, uncleanness, sins that come out of that depravity, dishonoring their bodies, exchanging the love of the truth for worshiping and serving the creature, uh, all of this degeneration that happens to humankind when we're mixing with demonic entities that persuade and tempt us and pull us away from the pure, true word of God. So he says, since the creation of the world, Romans one twenty. This has all been clearly seen, that the being understood by those things that are made, even God's eternal power and Godhead, and, and, and so we are without excuse. So we look at the creation. If you look at it and you, you realize, how did this get here? How can this possibly be? All this ecosystem, all these things so interdependent, so well connected, so perfectly connected one with another, the bees with the flowers, with the pollination, with the almonds that you eat, everything is just so connected, and yet... The, the enemy was able to persuade the creatures to worship other creatures or themselves and to turn away from worshiping God. So God had to allow their foolish hearts to be darkened. It wasn't he was mad at them. It was just, that's the rules of the game. We listen to Satan. Satan gets to darken our understanding. And so God had to permit our foolish hearts to be darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And so now that's where we have today. We have this huge battle between truth and innocence, purity, righteousness, God, and Satan's kingdom, which is full of depravity and darkness and death. And so we have a situation here that requires judging to discern between the good, the holy, and and the vile and unclean. And so it says God gave them up to uncleanness, to the lust of their hearts, to practice these kinds of sins and immoralities, vile passions, debased mind. That's where we're at today because God has had to 
give us up. He doesn't want to. He surely is standing there waiting to receive us back as we respond to the Holy Spirit. But God had to allow us to sink to this place because this is the place where Satan wanted to take us and we were too foolish not to follow him. And so now we're in this depraved depraved state where demons pretty much run everything and everybody, and yet we don't even acknowledge that demons could do that or that demons are present or that demons are not good for us to listen to. But anyway, so we get all this mess going in Romans chapter 1 where everything really does need to be discerned and judged. I think our biggest problem right now is we are afraid to judge because we're afraid we're going to be rejected, cri- rejected or criticized, criticized. Or, or opposed. And so what really needs to happen now in this mess in the world is true righteousness, the judging and standing for righteousness, which means you're judging against the vile, depraved insanity of, of this this present world, present darkness. But so, but people are not wanting to rise up to do any judging or discerning or standing against wickedness or untruth because the other side is so well equipped with lies, the media, uh, accusations, witchcraft, um, punishing you if you step out of line. It's just like it's a terror to do good. However, God says in Romans chapter 2, after he's explained to us Romans 1, he says, therefore, verse 1, you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge, for with whatever judge you judge, you can, for whatever judge, and you judge another, you condemn yourself, or you who judge practice the same thing. So he is cautioning us here. Yes, we must judge, but before we can judge, we must also examine ourselves we must also be willing to be corrected, willing to be brought back into the truth. Um, you, so he says, you, for example, when Jesus and the woman taken in adultery, they were in that confrontation and they all wanted to stone her because that was the Levitical uh, law required that adulteress be stoned. So they were picking up their stones and she was laying at the feet of Jesus or falling at the feet of Jesus, thrown at the feet of Jesus, whatever. And he stooped down in the dirt and he was writing something. He wasn't really looking at them. And then he got up and he said, okay. And you know, by the way, that's Jeremiah. I think it's chapter 13 or 17, where your names will be written in the dust or in the dirt, the people who rejected God. So Jesus was reminding them, your names could be written down here and you better be careful. But anyway, so then he, he says, okay, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. Well, guess who is without sin? Nobody. So they started pulling back the oldest first, moving back, because they knew they'd sinned in their heart. They'd committed adultery in their heart, probably. They'd even done probably other worse things than that. But So there wasn't anybody that was found worthy of judging. So God is saying here, when you judge, and by the way, judgment really belongs to the Lord, the Master. On 14 of Romans, we see that uh, to his own Master, the servant stands or falls. We have to discern the difference between judging and discerning and understand that we are here to, to stand for righteousness. Well, in the case of the woman that was taken in adultery, the only one that would have a right to condemn her was Jesus. And he didn't He was the her. only one without sin. And uh, and he said, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Yeah. So we're at the place now where, um, yes, we're afraid sometimes to judge because we're coming against 
culture. Right now, mm-hmm. what we have is a, a cancel culture movement. A wicked. A wicked spirit, cancel. Many spirits. We're coming against demonic spirits, culture. really, that are manifesting as a cancel culture or whatever Yeah, else. exactly. But what we're, what we're called to do is we're called to stand lo- confront because mm-hmm. um, Jeremiah... Uh, said, "I'm gonna." God told Jeremiah, "I'm gonna send you against the prophets, against against mm-hmm. the people, against the princes. Mm-hmm. I, I, you, they're gonna fight against you, but I'm I'm going to be with you. I'll stand with you. I'm, I'm making you like a a strong wall, a strong tower, and they will fight against you, but they will not prevail against you. So, you know, if we're in a a um, uh, contest as to who who's going to be most popular as believers. You know, popularity is not uh, the thing to seek It's not us. the indication it's, of it's righteousness. Truth. It doesn't mean that we go and um, we're deliberately obnoxious, but just the fact of the truth and the love that we bring, it does bring division. It does mm-hmm. bring division well, between what? truth and error, <clears throat> between mm-hmm. righteousness and unrighteousness. Well, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. But against powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 9, it says that it is the job of the church to make known to the principalities and powers, the rulers of darkness, the manifold, manifold wisdom of God. So here we get tangled up in trying to do this thing in a, in a kind of a horizontal fashion. You know, you're wrong, I'm right, look at this. We, we do this kind of conflict and arguing back and forth and judge and then we're called judge we are you know accused of judging when in fact God calls us to judge or discern is actually a better word and we'll go to that in a minute but we really need to recognize that our real enemy is the spirit in the spirit world are the spirits the familiar spirits the demons the unclean spirits the spirits of fear and when you come when you don't deal with them first and you just go head on into your you know, into the enemy's camp and get after mm-hmm. people and pick on them for their behavior, um, and you're you're going to fail. the The thing is, we have authority to bind and loose. We have we have authority to bind, for example, the spirit of fear, fear of man, fear of COVID, um, you know, whatever. Uh, because ma- many fears are coming upon this nation, and those fears are coming upon in the form of judgment because we have been afraid to judge. The, to, to declare the truth. And because we've been afraid to do that, we've lived in count, under the counsel of fear, we're now reaping the, the fruit of fear. But if you go back and, and recognize that we are called by God, and, and you go back to Matthew for a second where he talks about the plank and the speck and the beam, this, the last verse of that section in Matthew chapter 7, which we didn't read yet, in verse, uh, it's verse six. 6, is he mm-hmm. says, okay, so he says, um, you know, I'm going to start with five hypocrites. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you shall see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. Verse six, do not give what is holy to dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample you under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Now, here's the interesting piece. God is telling us um, that we must discern a swine or a dog and, and not give our pearls, not give our, our precious revelation to those people that are under that classification of, of they don't care, they're reprobates, they, they're, gonna, they're mockers, they're scoffers. And so we have to discern. Now, is that judging them? He's saying here, discern it. If those people are not 
ready for the revelation or they're they're going to trample it in the mud, they're going to mock you with it, then don't give it to them. Don't give them the pearl. Don't give them your revelation. Don't give them your the revelation of God that God has given you. So here we have judging and discerning in the same section. God is saying, um, um, don't judge, don't judge, but discern, decide, no, realize what the truth is. So what is, again, my story is perfect. The difference between judging and discerning is very simple. You know, I see the apple tree, uh, growing on the other side of the road. I see the apple tree in my, um, neighbor's yard. I see it, whatever. And I, and I see that tree every year. It's got wormy apples and it's got uh, plague on its leaves. It's got pestilences on it. It's not a good tree. It's not producing good apples. And so I chop it down. I go and take an ax and say, you're done. Um, and I, and I've judged the tree as not fit to continue to exist. However, that it's tree your na- it's your is my tree. is my neighbor's tree. So mm-hmm. I have discerned something, but then I took the second step and I judged, and that is where God says in verse uh, receive no. Uh, let's see, um, verse four of fourteen of Romans. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. So we are God's problem. We are God's workmanship, creating Christ Jesus. You may look at somebody that God is working on and say you're. Judge them as you're you're behind the you're 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 wrong. You're not making it. You're making a bad choice. You're da 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 da. da. You're judging them, but God is not finished with them yet, and God is the rightful judge. So you are able to step back and say, you know what? I can help you, brother. Help you to understand this more fully. I'm not going to judge you in it, but here's the revelation, and you can be an assistance to them and discern that they need help without judging them, because God is the final judge. It's interesting. You know, God is the final judge because only God knows the, the total truth of what mm-hmm. he says. Paul says Paul, God is going to judge the secrets of men's hearts. The mm-hmm. secrets of our hearts are going to be judged. So when we're talking about the judgment in the sense of um, there's the sense of discernment, right? Distinction between truth and error, right and wrong. And then there's the area of judgment, which means condemnation. It means the the verdict or the sentence. And so God only has that power. He's the judge of all the earth. Uh, and he's the one that has brings the verdict, brings the final sentence. So it's not up to us to bring the verdict or the final sentence. Mm-hmm. That's right. God, that's, God's, that's God's task, and we must leave that to him. Exactly, and I believe that... Love factors in here too, because um, you know if you have something in your heart against someone, we will judge them according to our heart, and our heart could be deceived and desperately wicked in this matter, um, and and we could be ourselves filled with the spiritual blindness, hardness of heart, in our own wickedness. So the problem is using we are not equipped to judge someone else's heart because we are not even equipped really to to always know what's in our own heart. Um, so the problem is, um, we, we, and if we, if, we, if we love someone, we will not judge them. We will not condemn them. If we love them, we will, you know, for example, your children. You love your children, and they do something wrong. They do something stupid. They, do, they scribble on the wall. They, stick their, they try to stick their finger in the lights. You're not, when you correct their behavior, you are not 
judging them because you hate them. You're judge, you're you're discerning what they're doing, and you're stopping that behavior. You're addressing that behavior. You're teaching them, and this is the this is how a parent does it, and this is how the society has lost its way because we've now said parents cannot judge their children. They cannot discern their behavior as good or bad. They cannot stop them from doing something that would kill them because then they'll be judging them and they will, you know, they won't be doing what God wants. Well, we're to, we're called to train up, to raise, to teach, to correct, um, to give instruction. And, you know, again, people, if you really love someone, you won't be judging them, but you, but love requires judgment. If you, that's the heads and tails of the same coin, if you love them, you you won't be judging them. You can't really judge them, but love requires a judgment or a discernment that we can uh, help them, protect them, instruct them. Because right now, in this society, there are very few people, unless God touches them, which He is, by the way, doing. There are very few people that will receive instruction. Everybody is is uh, you know, there's a lot of strong-willed rebellion out there because people have been so lied to. For so long, they don't even know what the lies are, but they believe the lies. They believe they know the truth. They believe they're the only one they can trust, which they're actually listening to demons inside of them. But they, so they, they, they shun, they reject, they refuse the correction of the biblical uh, uh, mandate that God has given us because they don't, they don't cherish it. They don't look to it as any kind of deliverance or healing. But when we walk in truth, we walk in freedom. So. Um, you must judge the lie to be able to walk in the truth. Because, excuse me, one of the issues that we have here is that uh, a lot of people who claim to love the Lord are ignorant of the truth. They are, they are not... They're, they're harsh they're, and legalistic, they're, too. They're ignorant of the scriptures. And, uh, and, and another thing, too, is that we're afraid to confront folks with 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 sinful things and because we think well you know uh, who am i because i've mm-hmm. got something wrong in my life therefore i can't say anything to you that's not that's not well, true well yeah and the other part of that too is that the bible says oh no man anything except to love one another for he who loves another has fulfilled the law so okay so i if i really love someone i will risk being not liked by them to tell them the truth that they need to know so that they won't be lost. I think it's we have to stop thinking, oh, it's all about a popularity contest. It's all about me. It's all about me being liked. It's all about me being loved. And we need to, in, in love, you cannot really uh, discern or, or correct anyone outside of a spirit of love and have it be effective. The only way a correction is effective is if you truly communicate to that person first that you care about them um, and it's not just a power struggle. It's just not a, uh, you know, you're trying to, you know, corral them or, or force them to do something that you want them to do. The Apostle Paul said at one point, the more I love, the less I be loved. Mm-hmm. The more I communicate the truth to you. The less you like me. The less you like me. <laughs> yeah. And here's another thing. I, I think of this is uh, Apollos uh, in the scriptures was a guy, he was a mighty orator, and he came to Ephesus and preached Jesus. No, he didn't preach. He knew the baptism of John. He, he, he had a partial knowledge. What he had was right, but he didn't have the rest of the story. And so uh, Priscilla and Aquila, this, this godly couple, heard him one day speaking in the synagogue, and they said, well, he doesn't, 
you know, they could have said, well, what does he know? He's just off. He's got false doctrine. What did they do? They took him aside, probably into their home, and explained to him, it says in the King James, the word of the Lord more perfectly. Mm-hmm. In other words, he 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 was strong with what he knew, and they were patiently mm-hmm. instructing him that, hey, no, the one that John the Baptist was talking about Mm-hmm. It is has come. It's Jesus, and here's the gospel, and he received that. Right. He received that well, yeah. and he he became a mighty um, advocate of the of the word of God, the gospel. So he received the instruction and the correction because Paul was offering it, I believe, in a, a, a disposition of love. Well, yeah, a, a but here's Priscilla, the here's yes. the here's the here's the problem though um, that. You know, if we will not stand for righteousness and truth, holiness, if we will not separate the vile from the holy, which is Ezekiel, Jeremiah, all these men were called to separate the vile from the holy uh, because they were the people were afraid to do it. They were afraid they would be accused of judging someone or something. Um, they they allowed or permitted because of that, the lie was permitted to prevail, the confusion, the fear the uh, mixture of mingling of truth and error was allowed to prevail. And that's what we have today because people have been afraid to stand up and to, for fear of being accused of judging. And so we've not discerned. And so therefore, you know, in the old Testament, for example, God, there were times when God was about to judge, about to bring his judgment and the people stepped in quickly and did what they needed to do. And that averted the judgment. I'm thinking of, of, Phineas and the heathen people, um, and they were marrying all these pagan wives and things, and there was about to be a complete annihilation of, of the kingdom. They were going to go back into captivity. And Phineas stood up, and he 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 did what needed to be done to um, put things back in order. So when we, as God's people, don't stand up for righteousness and this in, in uh, this iniquity builds up in the population, it builds, the, the error builds up, the uh, just the treachery, the fear, the the loss of freedom all builds up in the in the in the system. In the then we are then God is forced to judge. If we won't judge wickedness, then God is going to be forced to judge it Himself, as He did when we he, in the deluge. So there are to- points in time where we can avert the judgment of God by actually discerning, judging, and standing for righteousness and declaring the truth on His behalf ourselves. And we don't have to be absolutely perfect to do that. I know uh, because we're declaring not we're not standing and doing it in our own strength or in our own it's not our own agenda we're declaring the truth of God's word and there's no sin against doing that there's no you don't have to be perfect to do that you just be obedient and willing to do that and then that brings a clarification again it also pre- pre- uh, presents an opportunity then for people to reconsider their ways their direction their uh, their uh, decisions and reconsider the possibility of truth and freedom and turn from their wicked ways. And it's important for us that, you know, judgment begins at the house of God. And so who's the house of God? The church of Jesus, the true church of Jesus, and us individually. So it, it behooves us to be before the Lord, before the Word. Let the Word of God examine, sp- you. examine mm-hmm. us, you know, David said, search me and know my heart. Mm-hmm. Try me and know my any, thoughts. Yeah. See if there be any, any wicked, wicked way in me, me and lead me in the way everlasting. So there's, um, before the Lord, before we point fingers, before mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. 
um, do that sort of thing. Let's let's get before God every day. Let God show us. He says, if you Paul said, if you're in any way otherwise minded, you know, if you're if you're off on anything, God is going to reveal that mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. So so, and then when he reveals that to you, and he'll do it through the word. He'll do it through the scriptures. Right. He'll the do Holy it Spirit. through the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's other ways he can speak to you too. But when you when you when God speaks to you about, hey, this isn't right in your life, get it out. Read mm-hmm. the goodness of God. Romans two six leads you to repentance, to change your mind, to change your direction. So take heed. Don't harden your heart against what God says. Get that out. Get it out of your life. And because the the Lord has provided the uh, atonement Away. for you, He's provided it for you. Um, I, I think of uh, uh, Isaiah in Isaiah chapter six, uh, when King Uzziah died, who was a, a stellar, godly leader that really failed in his later years and and became an, a leper because of his presumption and pride. He fell, he died. Isaiah said, okay, we had this great godly king, and now he's gone. What happens? Mm-hmm. And then God gave him a vision. He said, I'll show you who's really king here. And, and he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Yes. And the mm-hmm. train of his robe filled the temple. Mm-hmm. He saw the seraphim. He saw the this holy, mighty God. And that revelation uh, brought him to say, I'm undone. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm I'm toast. I'm I'm clean. I'm a man of unclean lips. Right. I mean, I've seen. Well, the Lord. we know our correct. When we see God, we know our correct position, and I think part of that is too. And with judging, and uh, you know, Jesus says, "Judge not, lest you be judged." A lot of times, we're tempted to judge one another for the wrongs they've committed against us, and this is kind of another part to this idea of judging, where there's been an iniquity, there's been a crime committed against us. But if we see the greatness of God, you can forgive that person and turn the judgment of that matter over to God because that's what Jesus is really talking about here. Don't judge uh, this matter yourself. Let God be the judge. By you forgiving, that means you release the judgment of that matter, that injustice, that crime committed against you, that ongoing crime that deprives you of life or peace or, or whatever that this other person is committing against you. You're turning that crime that situation over to the righteous judge who is has the right to judge. And therefore, you're protecting yourself, removing yourself from the devil's attempt to bring this, uh, turn, flip this thing back on you. Well, you judge them, so now I'm going to judge you for this, with the same thing you judge them with. So when you turn it over to God, that that is broken. That Satan's ability to judge you for judging them is broken because you've given the judgment back to God. So when uh, this is the other side of of judging and uh, judging not, is that you allow God to be the judge of these personal matters, but in things of, you know, of the community, things of truth, of vile and unclean things, this is a different matter. This is a matter where we stand uh, in obedience to God and allow, uh, you know, allow him to speak through us, use us to correct the direction of the, of the earth. And we allow, Excuse me. We allow God to correct us, to change us, uh, to, ch- to, to change us, mm-hmm. really, to ch- to love us, to chasten us, to love us, to to get the junk out and get His glory in, mm-hmm. get the garbage out, get mm-hmm. the glory in. Mm-hmm. That's what Isaiah was dealing with, and he thought, "Oh my goodness, what what can I do now? I mean, I'm how can I even go on 
How can Until I fulfill my Until he saw the glory of God, call? he couldn't. He saw the glory of yeah. God, mm-hmm. and he saw himself, mm-hmm. and he saw the need. Mm-hmm. And and God says to him, okay, here, I'm, I'm purging your iniquity. They said, they, the angel, the seraphim, brought a hot coal from off the altar uh, of God and, and touched his tongue and purged away his sin. He says, your sin is purged. It's atoned for. It's taken care of. Jesus has died on the cross for us to come to him. He's risen again. He has come so, um, for us to be set free mm-hmm. and to send us forth with this message of mm-hmm, truth mm-hmm. that will uh, set people free, that will expose unrighteousness and reveal righteousness to those that we're sent to. So uh, Isaiah said after his revelation, desperation of how he saw himself uh, in the light of the holiness of God, God said, okay, I'm taking care of you. I, I've, I've, I'm cleansing you. Mm-hmm. I'm delivering you. I'm using and you. And I mm-hmm. am sending you. Yeah. And so... As God works in us, this is the time now to be cleansed. God, to be cleansed through the to, revelation of Jesus Christ, and to be sent, to be sent to people to stand in having done all to stand, and not to be intimidated by the devil's accusations that you're judging. You know, Isaiah, Jeremiah, they could have been accused of judging, but they were simply speaking and presenting the prophetic words of God, and the people they were speaking to didn't like it at all. They they could have said, "You're judging us," and I'm sure they did. But there, so we, the steps are number one, you allow God to cleanse. We allow God to cleanse our hearts through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Get, getting the plank out of our eye. Right. And then we're able, then we're qualified to discern uh, what needs to be declared so that truth will be sus- supported and sustained and the lie will be um, brought under subjection and we will overcome uh, the lie with the truth and then justice and love will prevail, and people will find their way back to God. So it's trust God, forgive the people who hurt you, let God um, justify and bring judgment and bring deliverance to you, uh, and then you be fearless and allow God's word to speak through you as the prophets of old with boldness to stand and not to be confused with all of these these accusations, well, you're judging, well, you don't love me. Those are just all demonic uh, daggers and javelins that are thrown, arrows that are shot at the Christians, and the Christians don't know how to respond because they've not really studied their Bible. They're living under the mostly under a confusion of a, a complicated and, and compromised gospel, and they don't understand the difference between a being. I can love your being. I can love your soul. I can love any—you're sinning like crazy. I can love you. I, I don't like your adultery, but I love you. I don't like your uh, your drug use, but I love you. I don't like your uh, homosexual inclinations, but I love you. I love you. I don't love your behavior. I love you. And because I love you and I'm, I care about your soul, then I will tell you what's going on here in the Word of God and what will set you free. So again, let us consider the time that we're in, and it's time to pray. It's time, Father, we just thank you, Lord, for... Uh, your courage, your revelation, first Lord. It begins always, Lord God, with the revelation of your truth, the power of your Holy Spirit to convict us of sin, righteousness, judgment, convict us of the fear, convict us of the lack of boldness, being intimidated, being afraid of what other people will say or think. We confess these things as sin and an abomination before you, the man fear, the people pleasing, um, the, the uh, being afraid of being attacked. We turn these 
things over you because you are our defender. You are the God who protects us and goes before us. So, Lord God, I pray that each one who's listening today would be encouraged to simply allow you to examine their heart and to bring righteousness, truth, forgiveness, that you will bring justice to their situations and that they will be honored to, uh, we are honored to stand, Lord, with you in this fight, to stand for the truth because the truth brings freedom and the truth is Jesus Christ. So give us courage now, Father, in this battle in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, Lord, we break the spirit of spirits of fear and intimidation. You said the wicked flee when no man pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So, Lord, give yes, us Lord. boldness. Help us to speak the truth in love. Mm-hmm. And, 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 Lord, that Thank we will you, have a, a fear and reverence for you, and that we'll be underneath, no, no longer underneath the fear of man, that we will love Amen. you, serve you, fear you, and, and, and love one uh, another. Love you <laughs> as, as, um, as you've given us direction. Amen. We praise you and thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.